Welcome back to Screen Time with Rowan Roper. I'm Ro Khan. I'm Richard Roper. You're back in the movie theaters, Richard Roper. What a glorious, amazing, miraculous day I had. I actually got to see a movie in a theater. Hmm. We'll talk about what that was coming up. But first, we would like to remind you that Screen Time with Rowan Roper is brought to you by American Eagle. The digital landscape is changing rapidly, and to compete in today's business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design, development, e-commerce, mobile apps, and digital marketing to drive your business success. Because they believe today's online world is your opportunity. To get started, go to AmericanEagle.com. Who bows the who? Nobody gonna stop me. Here we go. Kong bows to no one. That's the trailer from King Kong versus Godzilla, and you saw it live in a real movie theater. I did, Ro. A little history here. Uh, March 10th, 2020, I saw a movie, a Vin Diesel movie called Bloodshot at an IMAX theater. Uh, almost had me thinking I never wanted to go back and see a movie in the theater again after sitting through that piece of crapola. But little <laughs> did we know that was going to be the last time that most of us were going to be able to see a movie in a theater again. That was the infamous week where everything started shutting down, including the NBA and offices everywhere and, of course, movie theaters. I did see one other movie in a theater last year. That was Christopher Nolan's Tenet, which I saw. But that was because the film itself, Christopher Nolan wanted me to see it in a theatrical setting with the 70 millimeter projection. But that was not with a crowd at all. That was the only other time I was in a theater last year until this week. When I had the opportunity to see King Kong versus Godzilla, and the clip you played right there, um, I, I got to hold the review until the movie comes out uh, down the road very shortly. Uh, but that's pretty much all the dialogue you got in the movie right there. You know, <laughs> it's obviously a big action film, and I was able to see it at an AMC theater with the Dolby sound, even the seats that shake oh. when stuff happens. And again, not reviewing the film, but you know, it's kind of the perfect type of movie to go back to the theaters and see this big spectacle. I'll tell you the plot of this movie. Okay. It's King Kong versus Godzilla. Okay. That's that's what happens in this movie, okay? So Godzilla still uh, come out of the water? Uh I'm not gonna say anything else. All I'm gonna say <laughs> is it's King Kong. I'm going to guess because it's in yeah. the trailer. There's, he there's, comes out of the water. There's King Kong and there's yeah. Godzilla. Uh -huh. And there's like a bracketology thing. And uh -huh. they face off in the final four in Indianapolis or somewhere like that. I see. All right. So, But the, I have to say, Ro, the experience of seeing it in the theater, it was um, myself and I believe four other critics from the Midwest area were invited to this screening. So there was absolutely no concern. We don't like to sit next to each other anyway. Let's be honest. You mm -hmm. know, Come on, we're critics. So we were spaced out. I mean, like rows apart. There was one publicist for the film. And it was kind of neat, though. The manager of the AMC Theater came and welcomed us. He had his mask on and everything. And he had fired up the popcorn machine. Oh. And we got popcorn and oh. pop. And we were able to. And he, the way he did it, though, he said, like, okay, the, the, the straws and the cups and everything are out there for your individual use. If you want to pour yourself some pop, some Coke, some soda, depending on what area of the country you live in. And I don't usually get popcorn at the movies because I see so many movies. But I had to do it. So I will say this. Uh, we're still not there. But more and more theaters are opening across the country with limited seating. Uh, in, in Chicago, where we're doing the podcast, most of the theaters have reopened, at least to some capacity. It's just neat to see the listings, you know, the different movies that you have a chance to see. And we are seeing more big movies. For example, King Kong versus Godzilla back 
on the big screen. And that's a really cool thing. And it was really neat as much as it's convenient and we all enjoy watching at home. And many of us are lucky enough to have some pretty good home delivery systems. Right. Well, there's nothing like sitting in that big comfy chair that leans back and the curtains draw back and the, the screen is so big. It feels like it just almost surrounds you and you get lost in the movie for two hours. You really don't think about anything else. You just experience the waking dream. That is cinema. Very eloquent. Pretty fucking poetic, huh? <laughs> Thank you. I got that from Godzilla. He's a, he's a thinker. I, it sounds like it, uh, based on the trailer. And you know, or is I, it she? Do we even know? Oh, oh, do we find out? Again, can't talk oh. about it right now. No spoilers. Oh, that's weird. What if she's pregnant? Oh, wait. There's a lot to think about. So AMC has released this video explaining what your experience is going to be like when you return to the theater. Our new ticketing technology will block the seats on either side of your selection. In auditoriums with traditional seating, every other row is blocked off for your safety. And again, please leave an empty seat between yourself and other guests. Auditorium capacities may vary and our seating policies will continue to evolve. Visit our website for the most up-to-date details. And for your convenience, use our app or website to order your movie treats before your visit. AMC is expanding mobile food and drink ordering to all theaters nationwide. When you arrive at the theater, please review the crucial AMC safe and clean policy messaging on the doors. Because we care about your health, masks are required for all guests and crew. Please put yours on before entering and wear it throughout your visit. If you forgot your mask, don't worry. Masks are available for purchase if needed. There's a lot of steps there. It reminds me very much of like being on an airplane and they're going through all this stuff and you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, if we crash, how is any of this going to help me? But this, you kind of have to know. It's like one of those online tutorials you have to take for work. You're right. In fact, it's more like you're going on the space shuttle than just a flight to Denver. <laughs> it's it's a little daunting, although I think AMC, I give them a lot of credit because they talk uh, about how much money they put into this and all the steps they're taking and how the safety of their employees and their customers are a priority. And I believe that AMC is, by the way, the largest chain globally. So, you know, a lot of other smaller chains had opened earlier and individually operated theaters because they could kind of control things because it'd be just one or two theaters. AMC, we're talking literally thousands of screens but as we heard in the video, there's all kinds of measures in effect of deep cleaning. You got to wear a mask. You're not getting in without a mask. Can I stop you right there? Sure. I think there's going to be trouble. Absolutely I know there's going, to, going be to be trouble there because there are going to be people in all the different environments. You're going to have your Karen factor. Mm -hmm. You're also going to have your I don't believe in the virus factor. Yeah. You're not the boss of me factor, which is ultimately behind all of that. And there are going to be fights and there will be people who will refuse to pay for the mask because AMC is charging you if you don't have a mask. Yeah, I would say with all great respect and I, I really do, you know, I'm rooting for all theater chains and all owners, small and large. I think it's a misstep to say, hey, we're going to have masks available for purchase if you don't have them. First of all, you'd like to think the vast majority of customers, they're going to know there's going to be a sign at the revolving door row at the entrance, whether it's a multiplex, whatever the case may be, it's going to say you cannot enter without a mask. You're going to have fair warning. You're going to have a chance to go back to the car, back to the house, down the street to the convenience store. But if you go inside and you're willing to pay money for tickets and you've bought your tickets and maybe you're going to get some concessions, put out some masks say or you know let's say someone you know occasionally the mask will break i've gotten in the habit 
of carrying an extra mask with oh, yeah. me because the string will break. You put, you know, you tighten mm-hmm. the mask. You know, they're, they're effective, but most the, the most common one, that paper blue mask with the white string, they will break. So why not just have a steady supply of masks there for people who need them? But you're absolutely right. The other thing is they're saying, okay, you know, they're going to have each row is going to be separated by a, a completely empty row. Mm-hmm. Don't sit right next to anybody else. All these other uh, steps in place. But they're also saying that you got to keep your mask on throughout the movie. Now, when the lights go down, first of all, you got your popcorn. And, you know, some people, let's face it, the popcorn is the size of R2-D2. It comes in a bucket, like, as big as R2-D2. And then the small soda is enough to feed a small village, to get, you know, <laughs> a, thir- a thirsty village. Are you going to keep on taking the mask on and off? And are they? how are they going to police that? Are they going to go up and down the aisles? Making sure, I think most people, honestly, once they're settled into their seats, if it's supposed to be a safe distance, will probably lower their masks. I think that's probably going to happen. Well, that's what happens in restaurants. Once you're seated, yeah. you're allowed to take your mask off and then start eating. It, it doesn't make a ton of sense not to be able to do that. And again, who's going to be the poor SOB who has to go up and down the aisles oh, yeah. with the flashlight like they used to have in the theaters? They used to have that so they could see if people were sticking around for the movie over and over and over again. Yeah. Now you're going to have, again, the same like 16-year-olds in ill-fitting polo shirts <laughs> telling you that this is, sorry, sir, you're going to yeah. just have to put your mask back on. That's yeah. not going to go over well. No, and it's like so many of these viral videos. It's almost always the cashier or you know the assistant manager, hardworking people who are not making a lot. It's never Joe Target. Or, or Freddie Walmart right. that's that actually doing it, who's getting yelled at as the big corporate giant who's, uh, you're sheep and you make us wear a mask. With movie theaters, whether it's a concession stand or now a lot of times they have bars or they have you know, different jobs, it's it's always been this way, Ro. I think since the dawn of movies, it's either the first job you ever have or the last job you ever have. <laughs> so you're either 15 or 16 or 109 mm-hmm. working at the theater. So I hope right. people don't be jerks. You know, if you're going to go to the movies, play by the rules. Listen, they get to make the rules. You don't you don't have, you know, they all everyone thinks it's my god-given first amendment right to do anything and that's not the way it works. If you're not going to abide by the rules, stay home, Netflix and chill the f out. There you go. Very good answer to all of life's problems right there. Mm. I'm excited, though, that we are going to be able to see some of the big releases that are coming up in the spring, in the summer, in the fall. Many of them, the whole Warner Brothers catalog is going to be dropping simultaneously on HBO Max as well as being in theaters. But some are still theater only. That's right. And the other thing that's happening, Ro, and this was already happening before the pandemic, is we're seeing an ever-shortening window between theatrical release and home video release. It used to be, well, it used to be six months, and then it was 79 days. And in a lot of cases now, it's going to be maybe two weeks, which I I think is a strategy that they should keep intact even when we're finally, finally, finally over this pandemic because I do think we're talking in a lot of cases about separate audiences. The older audience that just wants to catch something at home and doesn't mind waiting two weeks after it's released. They don't need to be the first to see everything. And then you got the younger enthusiasts, especially when it comes to the superhero movies, the horror films, the comedies, And those are the films, and you and I have been lucky enough, we go to a lot of advanced screenings, but I've even gone back sometimes, Ro, after I've seen something in a theatrical setting like I did with Godzilla versus King Kong, I've gone back sometimes to watch a movie with a regular audience. I did that with Avengers Endgame. I saw it two weeks before it came out. I wrote my review, and then I wanted to watch it with the fans and see how they reacted because a lot of things happen in Endgame. It really is the Endgame 
There's a lot of great action. So you have to take great... notes at the end of that movie. Yeah. I, well, and then, you know, there's, you know, Tony Stark, rest in peace. You oh, know, God. sorry, Spoiler folks, alert. you don't know that it happened. Oh, don't worry. There's flashback possibilities for that character. That's all oh. I'll say about that. Oh. There's always flashback. Hey, Black Widow's getting her whole movie, which is supposedly coming out in theaters. Right, wait, wait, wait. Right? The, 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 wait, we're going to save that for the whole Marvel Universe show that's coming up. Well, very all I'm soon. saying is there are certain movies that, that deserved and should be seen in theaters. And as somebody who sees. 300 movies a year, and yes, I was very lucky that I was able to continue to review streaming series and what were originally going to be theatrical releases because I got to watch them at home, but it was still exciting for me, Ro, to go into a real movie theater and watch a film on the big screen. You cannot duplicate that experience at home. Unless you're Steven Spielberg or Jay-Z. I think Jay-Z turns to Beyonce and goes, we did something Sunday night. I can't remember what it was. What was it? Where were we? Yes. I want to go back to the economics for a moment. Mm -hmm. This two-week lag between a movie being in theaters and then coming out to your home, is that going to be on the Netflix or that 1995 to rent? It's it's probably going to be both. A lot of times, yeah, you're going to have to pay a premium price to see a movie. Uh, and the, the thing about the, the, the window, row is that for the theater owners, for the chain owners, for the managers of theaters, the longer there's a theatrical exclusive window, the more money they make. The first couple of weeks when a movie comes out, most of the profits go back to the studio. The longer a movie plays in theaters, the higher percentage of the take goes to the theater itself. In the meantime, the theaters make their monies off the concessions. We know this. That's yeah. why they're, they're so high priced. But, you know, I know you could go next door and get your... Your jujubes and your, and your people do you know, that. and all that stuff, your junior mints. But it, it's more fun to get the one that's the size of your head at the theater. Right. And you're helping that movie theater stay alive because yeah, if you go to the 7 Eleven next door, it's still not that cheap because yeah. they know they're next to a movie theater. That's true, too. But that's why the theater chains have, you know, rebelled against this and really pushed back against it. But it, there comes a point where the studios can decide what to do with their movies. And the chains, a lot of the movie chains will tell you that's a pretty, it's like a restaurant business. It's not the biggest uh, profit margin, but I tend to believe when you go to your summer multiplex with 24 theater screens and you see the parking lot jam-packed and literally hundreds of people seeing a movie that's playing 12 times that day, there's still money to be made by everyone in the movie business. And then there's going to be the each one teach one principle where people are going to, hear from their friends or their family or whatever and say, oh, you got to see this in the theater. The movie theater industry definitely wants that to be the mantra. And it has been for generations, your parents, your grandparents, maybe even your great-grandparents, many of their first date stories are about going to see a movie. And I know some people say, well, why would you go to a movie on your first date? You can't talk for two hours. And I'm like, that's exactly why you go to a movie on your first date. You sit with the person, you find out like, Oh, wow, I didn't realize you were a good and plenty person. That's weird. You find out a little bit about their habits, but then you have something to talk about afterward. That's why it's not huh. really dinner and a movie. It's movie and dinner. That's what people do. They don't do dinner and a movie. They do a movie and then dinner or drinks because then you can talk about it. I took a date to see Pulp Fiction in 94. How'd that go? Well, it turns out she's from a very religious household and oh. didn't believe in many of the things that happened in Pulp Fiction. I had uh -oh. already seen a screening of it. I'm like, wait until you see this. So we had a movie, and we still had silence after the movie. Where did that relationship go? Uh, I think she went back to Amish country, and uh, I moved on. Okay. Ironically, one of the movies you should just see in the theater is Zack Snyder's Justice League but they're releasing it to your television. You saw it, all four hours of it. Mm -hmm. You'll explain, but first, your haircut, your way. 
Floyd's 99 Barbershop has expert barbers and stylists who take pride in crafting the perfect cut every time. Walk in, book online, or give your shop a call. Learn about their safety practices at floydsbarbershop.com. Safety never looks so good. Zack Snyder's Justice League. This is the same Justice League that came out in 2017, except longer. It is and it isn't. So here's the background on this road. Justice League came out in 2017. The director was Zack Snyder, but just as filming ended and before any editing was done, he had to leave the project. Tragically, his daughter had passed away. His daughter had died, so he had to leave the film. Joss Whedon from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and a lot of other projects was brought in. So, so it was he was brought in as kind of the uncredited director. Now, Ro, a lot of people really have strong feelings about that original cut. They thought it was just kind of a greatest hits collection of the Justice League, putting Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman and Aquaman and The Flash together, like the Avengers, like you know their own right. DC universe. I actually thought it worked fine. You know, it wasn't the greatest movie of the all two time. Hour one, the the, the two-hour one. The two-hour one. But... Ever since the release of that movie, there have been cries and campaigns and signatures and petitions saying, release the Snyder Cut. Release. I mean, it's, for some people, it seemed to be the most important thing in their lives. I'm sure it's not, but it felt that way. Yeah. Now, I give HBO Max all the credit in the world. They go, okay, we got HBO Max. It's HBO Max. So this would be the perfect opportunity to say to Zack Snyder, you know what? You want to do your cut of this film? We'll put it on HBO Max for all the hardcore fans. That's the only place it's going to be available. So he really took them up on their offer and came up with a four-hour version of Justice League, twice as long as the original, recut certain sequences, dropped things, added special effects, made it, a much, I think, a much darker story. And a lot of people are saying, well, geez, four hours. All they had to do was they should have said, this is a six-part limited series. And then people would have had no problem with watching 35 or 40-minute segments of it right and it's even divided into chapters with titles that kind of almost make it seem like we're seeing a new episode oh so you new... can watch an hour of it yeah and then go away and watch another hour of it and it's self-contained like there, that. It, it's not it's still on one you know if you will one device one it's still on one platform so it continues to roll but it's the so what you don't have to click <laughs> don't watch the credits give me the next right. episode but the you know hit the, the menu button you get out menu and go button, back. Yeah, yeah you could just yeah you can just pause it uh and each title you know they're very dark it's the age of heroes uh, beloved mother beloved son something darker one of them is titled hmm. and for people who don't remember what what happens in justice league is it takes place right after the events that actually saw superman got killed Superman was dead. There were uh -huh. big ceremony and funerals and banners and monuments across the world. So it picks up there. So now Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne Batman, he, you know, the, the obligatory aliens coming from another planet to get the magic boxes that will give him control of the universe. That's the plot of every superhero movie, essentially. Mm -hmm. There's some sort of rings or gauntlets or boxes or something. So he wants to get the magic boxes. Of course, he'll destroy Earth, that's insignificant little planet, as they always call it. <laughs> always underestimating Earth. So Ben Affleck is like, well, I can't defeat this force alone, but if I get Aquaman and Wonder Woman and The Flash and guys like that and gals like that and Cyborg, who's an interesting character, if I get them all together you know, as a team, mm -hmm. maybe we could do it. So it's putting the band together is, yep. the, is the essence of the movie. And all of that is played out. I think there's an awful lot of exposition. There's a lot of times where everyone just stands around saying, if he gets all three of these boxes, we're doomed planet is going to be doomed you know what's going to happen we're going to be doomed and you know what we got to do we got to work together we can't work as individual units aquaman come on 
get it together with Flash, Wonder Woman, make friends with Cyborg. Let's work as a team. But the strangest element to me of, of the Justice League of this movie in both iterations, Row, is they figure out that they can also harness the power of one of these magic boxes to bring Superman back to life. Oh, they that's give, very convenient. But it's also very grisly and macabre. They oh. actually, they dig up his grave. But didn't we see his finger twitch? At, yes, at the end at the of end uh, Batman versus Superman. Yeah. We saw the, you know, we saw, so we, we kind of knew that was coming. I know, listen, I'm not a comic book geek like a lot of our listeners are where I know all the histories. I know they've killed off Superman like a hundred times in various comics. I, I Someone once gave me a comic book like in the 90s and it was like, rest in peace, Superman was the cover. And they're like, <laughs> oh my God, they, they, bring, they can always bring these guys back to life. But in the movies... It's kind of freaky because they literally dig up his grave, drop Uh-oh. him in some water, drop the magic box on his chest, and <laughs> and it's Henry Cavill who always looks like he's mad anyway. Yeah. And when he first wakes up, he's he starts throwing the other uh, Justice Leaguers around because he doesn't know what the hell they are. So then oh. you know, he starts beating up on them. But then, and he's shirtless the, during this whole beat-up scene, and he's no decomposing taking place when he's buried. Clark Kent might have uh, hmm. had some problems, but Superman is intact. He's got a nice hairy chest and tight jeans. And then Lois Lane comes to the rescue, takes him to the farm so he remembers who he is, also gets him a nice flannel shirt, and eventually he puts the cape back on. And then we take it from there. Now Superman has joined the Justice League. So Is that in the original two-hour one as yes, well? Yes, that element is So we're not giving anything there. away there. No, that element is still there. We get a lot more of the backstories of the various Justice Leaguers, which to me feels redundant because Aquaman had his own movie. Wonder Woman's had two movies. We don't mm-hmm. really need to once again be reminded of their origin homelands the flash is kind of fun uh cyborg we've had some of his story and batman i mean we've seen batman's parents get killed when he was a little boy bruce wayne a hundred times in the movies we know batman's backstory and jeremy irons gets to play alfred the butler the rule is if you've won an academy award and you're british and you're over 70 you have to play alfred the butler so I don't know if it's improvement. I, I gave it three stars. I have a question for you, Ro, though. Yeah. Just overall. Yeah. And I, I put this question in my written review, which you can get at the suntimes.com. My question is, if you had the opportunity to hang out with either the Avengers or the Justice League, now, for two days, but not, not trying to save the planet, just hanging out with them as they, like, try on new costumes. The bar scene. Order takeout. Yeah. Uh, bicker and banter a little bit uh-huh. about who's, you know, the strongest. Who would you rather hang out with, the Justice League or the Avengers? Is Tony Stark still alive? Yes, the original Avengers. Oh, yeah, the Avengers for sure. Right? Yeah. I think 99% of people would say that, even if you're a huge fan. There's something about, and I I don't think it's the actors, although I do think there are lighter touches to the Avengers movies and actors who are capable of doing it. And when they try it, you know, when I think comedic geniuses, I don't necessarily think Jason Momoa, Henry Cavill, Gal Gadot, Right. And Ben Affleck. But yeah. you think of the work that obviously Robert Downey Jr. can do, but even Scarlett Johansson, Mark Ruffalo, uh, Chris Hemsworth actually brought a lot of humor to the sure. Thor character. Yeah. They're just they're just they more lighter. depth. Yeah. And they're just they're more fun. They're just more fun. The Justice League, even when they're bantering and kind of having a light moment it's very cloudy there's lightning in the sky the avengers you feel like they'd go to a baseball game if they were in town i think it's really clear from the batman canon why so serious batman yeah isn't that the point that batman is so brooding yes i love him he's my favorite of all of these superheroes but because he is brooding and he's not fun and he's either campy like he was in the 60s or he's 
since the reboot he's the of dark Bat- knight he's yeah. the dark knight he's yes. not the white knight he's Christopher not the Nolan, white knight yeah right? no you're right so i don't think that this is a, a a real contest and the other side of that is that superman is too goofy superman is almost cloying i think i'm i'm kind of over his earnestness well there was an amazing uh, monologue by uh, david carradine in kill bill volume 2 where he talked about the fact that all the other superheroes their alter egos are normal you know, human beings, whereas mm-hmm. for Clark Kent's Superman, Superman is his real persona, and he has an alter ego as Clark Kent. That's when he's in disguise. So it's kind of interesting. They've That's always been a problem, and it remains a problem in every single Superman, you know, whether it's a TV series or a movie, that he becomes this bumbling reporter that no one recognizes as Superman because he's wearing glasses, even though he's like 6'4", right. 235. Yeah, and all, you know, Even in this movie, they talk about, well, Superman's dead, but no one seems to be bothered by the fact that Clark Kent hasn't been at the Daily Planet <laughs> for a long time either. What happened to him? You know, And I mean, uh, what, Lois Lane, how stupid could she possibly be? Well, you know, what, what I do like about the Justice League is Lois Lane is played by Amy Adams, so it's a great performance. Uh, Superman's mom, uh, Ma Kent, mm-hmm. Uh, the, his parents were played by Kevin Costner and Diane Lane. So you have these great actors. It's interesting, though, you mentioned Tony Stark. Because Tony Stark and Bruce Wayne, what they have in common is they're extremely wealthy. They don't have any superpowers. They have suits they can put on mm-hmm. and armor they can put on, but they're vulnerable human beings. In fact, in the Justice League, probably the best line is when the Flash, who's, you know, he's the Flash, he can go super, 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 super fast. Yeah. And he he gets recruited by Bruce Wayne and they jump in his super tricked out Mercedes with a nice product placement logo on the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. And he goes, remind me again of what your superpower is. And Bruce Wayne goes, I'm rich. <laughs> That's his superpower. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's just something, I, and it's interesting too, I got to say this too, the Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman. I think Patty Jenkins, especially in the first film, she did produce and she directed, literally directed, and came up with a film that rivals the Avengers movies. The first Wonder Woman was a global sensation and deservedly so. She was a great character, the perfect actress for the part. It actually had a lot of gravitas. It was set during World War One. There was real tragedy, but great special effects. When she's a part of the Justice League, the same character... All of a sudden, we're getting a lot of objectifying of her, camera angles that are different, playing up the fact that she's beautiful. There's even this talk, hey, do you think she'd go for a younger guy? And they're laughing, well, she's 5,000 years old. Everyone's a younger guy. I don't think she gets the best treatment when she's part of the Justice League as she does when she has her own vehicle as well. That's interesting, because I remember that from that film, from the original Justice League, that it didn't seem like the same character to me. You're, you're absolutely right. And I actually, I don't want to reveal too much of private conversations, but I talked to Patty Jenkins when Justice League came out because she had directed Wonder Woman and done Wonder Woman too, And she had nothing, no say whatsoever in how Wonder Woman was portrayed in the Justice League movie. She was waiting to see it like everyone else. And of course, she feels like that's her daughter. You know, that's right. her child. Yeah. Not just Gal Gadot, but the Wonder Woman franchise. And she had done such an amazing thing with it. And you are spot on. It's almost as if it's a different character when she's part of the team than when she has her own franchise. I have one more complaint about the Justice League. Aquaman, everything he does seems like he's walking through water. And that's true. That's the problem with that entire character. Since it's done underwater, it doesn't really relate to us. We don't live under the water. Yeah, and then he's just a, a you know a big stud with 
awesome torso tattoos who's kind of strong <laughs> right. when he's out of the water and even his own franchise his movie I, I thought that was a big problem with it because it's like you know the only movie I that, love that guy by the way yeah Jason Momoa actually is great he was great in Game of Thrones he does actually have a good sense of humor and he's an amazing physical presence uh, to me the only movie filmed almost entirely underwater that has ever worked is Finding Nemo other than that right. forget it and that's because well, they're Little fishies. Mermaid. Little Mermaid did yeah. that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So we need animation, I think, for that right. to work. Because if not, we keep thinking like, what's Willem Dafoe doing underwater with Jason Momoa? And there's that Amber Heard and her hair's flowing and they're talking, but bubbles are coming out. It, yeah. it doesn't seem like a comfortable life. Well, it's supposed to create this sense of enclosure. And you're supposed to get all kind of claustrophobic when they're underwater. But they're not claustrophobic. They're breathing. The guy's got gills or whatever the hell he's got. Yeah. He's Aquaman. You yeah. know, I think there's a reason going all the way back to the TV series Entourage. And remember the Adrian Grenier character who was supposed to be a big movie star. And there was a whole running storyline about how James Cameron was finally going to do Aquaman. <laughs> and they filmed it. And they picked that character because it seemed like a folly, a ridiculous yeah. notion for this great director who has done huge epics to say, I'm going to be the one to bring <laughs> Aquaman to life. Maybe they should have watched that episode of Entourage before proceeding with the theatrical version yeah. of Aquaman. And what's up on the Thursday three? Three things you should watch this weekend. Three very different films. I'm going to start off with The Courier. This is one of those Cold War thrillers. Row remind you of Jean Le Carré or Graham Greene. It's set in the early 60s. And Benedict Cumberbatch plays a real-life character. He was a real-life character, a British businessman who was doing business in the Soviet Union. So he was the perfect guy to bring back documents and photos from a Russian military operative who had turned spy because this Russian guy was very concerned that Khrushchev was going to start World War III. So this is set all during the Cuban Missile Crisis based on a true story. It has all the familiar things you see in a Cold War movie, which I think is great because it's almost like a comforting Cold War movie. We know how it works out. We won. Right. Well, sort of. We, there were fits and starts, but... Benedict Cumberbatch is an interesting choice for something like this because he's unsettling to watch. Well, and he's playing a guy, you know, with an unremarkable career, an unremarkable but happy home life, an unremarkable mustache. So he's kind of the kind of guy you wouldn't <laughs> ever notice. And that's why he gets recruited. He's got no background whatsoever as a spy, as an operative. He really is just a businessman, which means he's not under suspicion for a long time by the KGB because they're like, well, that's just that idiot that drinks a lot of vodka with other Russian businessmen when he's over there, including this military guy. And then they go to see Swan Lake and then he comes home. But he's really sneaking documents back to the Brits. True story. Good too. stuff, yeah. All right, number two. Also based on a true story, City of Lies. This movie actually was made about four years ago, got caught up in legal entanglement. Uh, Johnny Depp plays Russell Poole, the L.A. police detective who was investigating the murders of Tupac and Notorious B.I.G., thinking they were all connected maybe to Suge Knight. And Forrest Whitaker plays the journalist who looks up this now-retired detective in 2015 and says, let's reopen this investigation. Now, again... We still don't know who killed Tupac and who killed Biggie Smalls, but this is kind of a cool police procedural. It reminds me of the films of the 70s. In fact, it reminds me a little bit of a film that Johnny Depp did in the 90s called Donnie Brasco. That couldn't be better. Yeah, and it's not that good, Ro, but it is, it's very solid. It is that gritty look. And what I like about Johnny Depp and Forrest Whitaker, these are two huge movie stars who give stripped-down acting performances. They're not big, giant monologues, and they play really well off each other. Was the legal entanglement about his relationships? 
No, it wasn't about his relationships. There was, first of all, there was some stuff with the financial backing for the film and who was going to release it. But uh, one of the technicians on the movie sued Johnny Depp for assault. The story was that the whoever the guy was on the set working for the movie had berated a homeless woman, and then Johnny Depp went up to him and berated this guy, and there might have been a physical altercation. So he sued Johnny Depp, and Depp said, you know, why don't you go ahead and hit me? I'd be worth the 20 grand. So that all had to kind of play out before the movie was finally released. And number one. Genius, Aretha. It's a Nat Geo 8-episode event with the great Cynthia Erivo playing Aretha Franklin. I like this a lot, Ro. First of all, Cynthia Erivo has an amazing voice. We've heard her in right. several movies. So she's singing Aretha Franklin's music, not imitating her, sort of similar to Andre Day as Billie Holiday, where they got the chops to sing the songs but kind of put their own stamp on it. It's folly to try to imitate the right. best of the best right. and that's why this works it's very standard we get a lot of background flashback stuff that's in black and white showing you know her upbringing you know it was tough upbringing and she had this preacher father who was very charismatic was associated with martin luther king was very successful but also was a womanizer and could be abusive and aretha herself she had her first kid when she was like 13 years old you know she lived through a lot of relationships a lot of children but was this pioneer, not just with her voice, but was one of the, you know, she worked with uh, various executives and said, I should be a producer. And they're like, even the Rolling Stones don't get producer credit. And she got that producer credit. So it gets into all of that. And then the performance numbers are amazing. So if you're a music buff, that's a must see. I think so. And there's the Jennifer Hudson, Aretha Franklin biopic coming out. I think they can coexist. I mean, it's a, it's a giant life and a giant star and a giant talent. Why not have two different vehicles? Coming up next week, we've got the big Academy Awards contest. We're going to have a chance for all of our fine listeners to fill out their ballots. Ro and I will fill out our ballots. And one lucky winner who has the most correct answers will win a prize package. We've got some cool movie memorabilia, some other fun things, maybe a chance to go see a movie with me. A prize package that you can't get anywhere else because some of the stuff we're giving away is actually from the studios. It usually only goes to the entertainment press or to the people who work on the movie. And we'll have all the details on that. In the meantime, you can go to our landing page. Go to AmericanEagle.com and just search for Screen Time with Rowan Roper. And you can actually check out all our podcasts, see our bios and everything. You can also go to almost any place where fine podcasts are platformed, whether it's uh, Amazon, Google, Spotify, you name it. We're there. We love our subscribers. We love the feedback. Mm -hmm. And we got the big contest coming your way. So much fun. And they don't have to beat us. We're not eligible for this prize package, right? No, you know, when we say beat the critic, listen, a lot of you are going to beat me, okay? But one of you has to have the most right. Uh, it's not that hard <laughs> most of the time. I always get tripped up in the animated short and live action short. And sometimes I get the sound editing gets me too. But I'm, I'm determined this year, I want to beat my all-time personal record, which is 23 out of 24. I'm going for the gold. Oh. All right, well, good luck this and year. Then if, and then if nobody beats me, I get to go to your house and pick up. No, we'll figure out. Even if you don't beat me, whoever has the highest number of correct answers will win the prize package. Ah, that's the best. The Roan Rubber Podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. AmericanEagle.com is a full-service global digital agency providing best-in-class web design, development, hosting, digital marketing services, and much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. Executive producers of Screen Time with Rowan Roper, Renee Nelson, and Tim Alanius. Music and production director, Brian Altimer. See you next time.